Remember, remember that whole cluster of weirdos? Remember those freaks I introduced you yeah, to? I, I ran <laughs> off with them. Then I passed out. <laughs> I nearly died. They gave me clothes. Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. Just take it easy. That's what husbands are for. I can't believe this. Welcome to They Coined It. I love that they go to Lois <laughs> in this episode <laughs> for the dirt. And as the audience, we're thinking, oh, how's Lois going to turn this into some pretzel logic thing? But Lois nails. <laughs> Lois has 100% of the story. She is on top of it. And she- To me, that, to me, that and is- And she blackmails them. <laughs> everything. But that is the hallmark of, to me, of this show, is that like these little things that you think like, oh, they can't do that. Someone like does with ease or someone, or someone fumbles the easy one and then does the hard thing. Like you think, you think someone's set up for failure and they like, they, they, they go through with flying colors. So to me, this was, <laughs> this is Lois being set up to be a dope and she nailed spot on. She's like, I know what a merger <laughs> <She's>, is. <laughs> not, not a false word in terms of inaccuracy. She's listened. She understands what's going on. Coming in from Atlanta, you know, from across the Atlantic, they're doing this. Here's what's going to happen, and she nails it 100. percent She doesn't get a thing wrong. I think I never thought she was as dumb as you think she is. I think she's terrible at taking care of. I think she's a terrible secretary. Yeah, last we saw, she was getting fired by Don and does, didn't know why. Right. I think she's. She lacks self-awareness. I don't think she lacks intelligence. Okay. <laughs> I think Lois's mom told her that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, season two finale. We made it. <laughs> I, I put this in the bottom half of the, and I'll say six finales. I kind of leave the series finale on its own. I mean, it's a season finale, but of course- but that's like wrapping the whole shebang up. So there's really, to me, six season finales. This is in the bottom half. It's not as bad as some. There's a couple that are worse. I don't, I don't even see how – I imagine you're not the only person who feels this way. I'm imagining that now because I've never considered it for a moment because I think it's wonderful and I love it. Mm -hmm. And I think it – does what finales should do and it takes you on a journey and it gives mm -hmm. you surprises and it gives you feels and it gives you I mean we're talking about Mad Men so it's all quality. It gives you resolution. No, but there's open-ended resolution, right? For at Por ejemplo, mm -hmm. Peggy and Pete, we get some real resolution there, but not it gives you resolution but Mad Men kind of resolution. Yeah, it's it's built around anticlimax in the same way that the Cuban Missile Crisis was built around anticlimax. I kind of always felt that it was a little on the nose with that parallel. The whole thing is clearly a metaphor, of, you know, or at least seems to parallel the the ups and downs of what was going on with the missile crisis, right? You go go up to the brink and pulling back and bluffs and you know being prepared for destruction and then not, you know, it's a lot of that. 
and, and that's what Don and Betty are. But Betty's ready. Betty's ready to go to the mattresses for this whole thing. Right. right? That's the whole point: is her willingness to blow up the marriage, and then there's the pregnancy, and so she comes back, and it ends up being a you know a reconciliation. They don't look happy, <laughs> right? So it's you know again, it's built around it's quality, it's crafted well, it's got all this great stuff, some good writing. But I'm just saying, as finales go, it's not the wheel. It's not shut the door, have a seat. That's that's not where I land on it. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I believe it won an Emmy or more than an Emmy, and I think it deserved it. I I uh, I'll have some surprise reactions that we'll get to a little later as we get into it. Well, let's talk about the episode hey. rather than. You know, Rather than talk about talking about the episode, what? Skipping about to the end. Meditations in an Emergency, written by Matthew Weiner and Keter Gordon. Directed by Matthew Weiner, original air date, October 26th, 2008. And it takes place over October 22nd to, to, to October 26th, 1962. So, fall of 62. You may remember that last week there was a little stumbling around... What do you mean this takes place kind of leading up to October 22nd as though that was that sounded weird? Now we understand how those dates got ascertained was by the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's right. That's right. See, there's a method. There's there's ways. So yeah, so we we learn at this episode there, there there's not a lot of like mystery mystery uh with this season a la season 1 where who is Don Draper? How did he get here? blah blah blah. Um, there was some of that which was resolved last week with Anna Draper, so we know the full how Dick became Don backstory. And and as you as you have alluded to a few times, it, it's the penultimate episode yeah. is kind of where we get big reveals, the big reveals, the big wrap ups. Although there's more here because few because apparently Betty's knocked up and that's new. Yeah, but but again, just like in season one where. Th- those instant cliffhangers, right? Th- there's absolutely no lead up to what becomes a cliffhanger. So we saw the spot of blood and we're instantly like, is she pregnant? Did something happen? Blah, blah, blah. We start the episode in the doctor's office with her finding out what's going on. And what's going on is she's she pregnant. pregnant. Mm-hmm. And if you check the dates, she got pregnant at her father's. She and Don did the do. On the floor of the room that she grew up in. I mean, that's scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> or just <laughs> next to the next to the dollhouse and the whole doll. So wild. Excuse me, shivers. <laughs> anyway, the passion. It did happen. There was mutually assured insemination. That's what I call it. <laughs> now, and now here we are. That you know the visual. I just that visual in the doctor's office. It's been compared to Hitchcock. I mean, she's really in her, her tippy Hendren gray, <laughs> you know, she is a Hitchcock blonde, but she's also dead. It's super symmetrical. It's, it's very Kubrick. Like it's a very right. ice cold. And then you've got this, this doctor saying, sorry, it's cold in here. And he's got like the, what the Bernie Sanders mittens on or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like she got dressed up to find out she's not pregnant. <laughs> it's like if I if I dress a certain way and sort of have a certain vibe going for myself, I can ward off this this incessant biology that I'm dealing with. You know, and how it ends is he well, two things. One is she doesn't use the word abortion, but she says, I want an abortion, and he says, Not gonna happen, pregnant lady, uh, married lady. <laughs> right. And the second thing is he says, all right, well, get undressed. We're going to examine and examine you. And she's like, out of there. The hell you are. Yeah. Peace out. 
These clothes are not coming off. <laughs> Two things there. For, first, I don't. I didn't get the sense that he was telling her she can't have one. He he kind of opened the door to say, "Look, if you insist, there's ways of of this." But he wasn't going to do it. There's ways. Well, no, I don't think he, I don't think he did that. He, I don't think he was a doctor who did that because it was illegal at the time. So there were certain doctors who would. So I don't think that was him saying him shutting the door on that. I think it was him being discouraging and paternalistic and way too up in her shit for you know a family doctor to say the minute you look at that baby and tell your friend like fuck that. But regardless, I don't think he was you know putting the kibosh on it 100%. I think he was discouraging. Just my perspective. The second thing was I love that she walked out of that examination. It's kind of like It was great. It was just again Betty's newfound control. I don't have to stay here and be examined when I don't want to. I've gotten the news. I'll process it how I'm going to process it. And I've spent most most of the episode thinking she was going to get rid of it. And she's saying, I don't have to have this baby. I don't have right. to be a victim of how things are dictated. Now, turns out. <laughs> as- turns out she was dictated to, yeah. in a sense. And I think that letter from Don uh, was somehow effective. The next scene where we see Betty is her <laughs> riding the shit out of that potential miscarriage is, is the only yeah, way you, you can read that. You have to stop that. riding, get undressed, and I'm going to examine you. Fuck you. I'm going to stay dressed and go riding. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and then we see Don. Re-enter Don Draper. Don from page six from the J. Crew catalog coming out of that. For <laughs> that, real. That, I mean, the, 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 he looked like he was had his own line of clothes. <laughs> there was a style to the episode that felt very finale-ish, and that was the first kind of moment of that, of the very sort of epic, romantic, he's back, you're surprised. It really was a like, whoa. And then her reaction is like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, at best, that was my warmer version of it. You see that steel spine, the the whole conversation. It's amazing how she handled that, you know, with with who she was at the beginning of this season, um, let alone maybe even just a few episodes ago, to her now. Just be like, oh, you just go away and Everybody figures out what to do. Must be nice. Yeah, you know? must be nice. It's really interesting. The whole, I guess, confession actually is is a theme in this episode. He says, "Bets, I'd do anything I could could to undo what happened." She says, "What happened?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "You know, I slept with all those women." Oh no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't say that at all. He said, "I was not respectful to you." Now that's a that moved her. That that did something to her. She was like, well, now I know I'm not crazy. That helps. Like, it was a big deal. But he doesn't ever say, "No, you were right about no. Bobby Barrett. But do you look at that as him still being unaccountable or seeking seeking not being accounted, uh, accountable? Or was that him saying it in a, in a way that with a little propriety and that was sort of in keeping with their relationship and their marriage? That's a good question. And I don't have the solid answer. I I can say that had he gone there, because Betty did. Betty didn't say you weren't just you weren't respectful for me and leave it there. Mm-hmm. When Betty confronted mm-hmm. him, she confronted him because she knows she needed to get his attention that way. Right, and he's here to get Betty's attention. So what all I'm saying is, it could have taken this marriage to the next level had he used his words. You think? You know, they're still riding on top of something 
There's still, there's still, it brings them back to, it brings them back to, we don't discuss everything. It brings them back to a particular I, I, I kind totally, of status quo. But do you think the the episode would, at the point where they reconciled at the end, you think it would have been different had he been totally explicit or fallen on the sword or, you know, did a different kind of apology? All I can say is it wasn't, it wasn't exactly satisfactory to me. Okay. It was, it was... It was, you know, it was close, but no cigar. Okay. And, uh, you know, and again, she says it helps. She says it helps, but it helps her. She doesn't say it helps our marriage or our situation. Correct. It helps me understand what you were doing. It says, yeah. no, it helps for me to not know I'm crazy. Thank you. Kind of like Jimmy Barrett talking to her through the TV. 100%. Right? <laughs> it says it helps. You know? she, she says it helps. Now go away. So she doesn't say it helps and come back. It, it helps me with my position and where where I'm at. To know that it will, I that I I'm done being gaslit. Thank you for that. Yeah, that that that's what it helps with. It doesn't help them. To your point, it doesn't help them clear up their marriage necessarily for her to you know open her arms and take him in. Exactly. One thing I did want to mention uh, before we move on is just a little fun fact: sixty five percent of women who get abortions are already mothers. I don't know what the numbers were then, but it's everybody pictures. It's like there's this idea that it's all like young girls. It's single young girls getting abortions. And it's a lot of times it's women who don't want to do it again and, and who just keep doing it. So just wanted to throw that out there. I think we need to work on our definition of fun fact, but okay. <laughs> that is a fact. Let's go to the office. There's kind of two levels of of action going on, right? There's the boardroom, I don't mean literally the boardroom, but the executive level, Roger and Don and Duck and what's the, all the machinations up top. And then there's what's going, do, going, going on in, in the galley a little bit with, with Harry and, and um, Ken and, and the, whole, the whole group where they're all speculating and getting themselves all worked up over, I talked to my father-in-law and you want to do this and you're just a number and you got, <laughs> they're asking for names and numbers. And so it's fun to watch that, that high-low <laughs> kind of thing going on and everybody's freaking out. But, you know, of course, Don says to, to Roger about when Don, Roger brings up the, the missile crisis, the news, we don't know what's going on. You know that, right? And of course, it's th- that's kind of what, I'll put it in quotes, but that's what kind of like a smart person would say. Mm-hmm. Like the knowledge that you don't know everything. Whereas down below, they're they're trying to figure everything out and no one's saying, wait, let's just be cautious and wait and see what happens. And everybody's everybody's um, you know, grabbing a bucket and trying to bail out the ship. So I love that that little that little byplay of <laughs> of high and low with with the the workers versus the executive. Yeah, a little upstairs downstairs. I also saw that line. So there were a couple of lines as we get as we get into the office stuff that also felt like bigger kind of sweeping themes. It's you hear a line and it's like, oh, you know, put stick a pin in that. Before that, Peggy saying to Pete, Pete, just tell the truth. Don't worry about the outcome. People respect that. About losing Clearasil, yeah. About losing Clearasil. But again, I'm looking at it thematically. Oh, yeah, it rings out. Just tell the truth. Don't worry about the outcome. People respect that. I think we, we're going to be able to apply that all over the place. It goes back to what I just said. Oh, it goes back to what I just said. Don did not tell the truth, and I don't respect that. 
<laughs> okay. Right. He he fessed up without saying what he did. You know, if you if if you've ever received a shitty apology, that's one of the ways to get one. Is I'm really sorry. I disrespected you. Uh huh. Well, uh-huh, it worked uh-huh. on Betty. Well, uh, did it? We'll get to that. <laughs> I just want to back up to what I was saying about how there was sort of a an epic feel to Don's reentry as we see him, you know, step out of the catalog, <laughs> if you will, and at, at, at the stables. Camel hair coat. Yeah, it it felt the same to me in the office, even though everybody was saying, where the hell were you and this sucks? I felt the the swell of the music of Don's return. And you saw it with Joan, especially, right? Well, the, like, yeah, yeah. You know, the, there was a real warmth. There was a real sort of hero's welcome, despite the fact that what the fuck in terms of where he was. And now we're getting a solid three weeks Everybody's now defining it for us. Oh, he's a, he's always a conquering hero, and they're making up stories. Oh, he's landing a big account. He's coming back, and it, you know, no one knows. Again, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's just like we could you could guess all day. We no one's going to know. There's a few things that you just mentioned. I want to I want to put a topper on. Uh, one is with Pete losing Clearso. He goes into Duck. He's honest with Duck. And the the writer the, the writers with Duck to me it's it's just it's a never-ending gift watching Mark Moses play this character. Like, just a line, like, your father-in-law, right? That's a sticky wicket. I just, I <laughs> I grin whenever I hear him say sticky wicket. Whenever I, I'm watching this episode, it's, he just, it's, deli- I don't know why, it just lands perfectly. He's the, fa- he wants to be a father figure to Pete very badly. And Pete, I think, is sort of ambivalent at times. And um, let's Pete in on this merger talk and head of accounts. And again, Pete getting this promotion out of the blue, quote unquote, and they decide they're going to keep it to themselves. But Pete doesn't keep it to himself. He goes right into Don's office. Yes, he does. <laughs> and it's that loyalty thing that's always been between Don and, and Pete kind of on either side. And it's like the the line from Bert Cooper, one never knows where loyalty is born. We never know. What's motivating that? Is it just mm. to steal him away from Don? We can assume it's all of it. We're seeing the depths of Duck's manipulation, and that's that's fair. There could be some genuine. He could see himself in this in this weasel of a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. right? That's fair. Um, but it was fascinating when Pete went to went to Don. Yeah, it was loyalty, right? Of the of the kind that Bert was was talking about. But it's also. Um... I don't know what to, it, loyalty almost seems too small a word. I think mm-hmm. I think he was genuinely concerned for for Don at that point. And of course Don also also in that scene was you know Pete coming back to be the first to try and put Don through the ringer for leaving him there, right? I had to tap dance with uh the Navy, North American Aviation and all like that. And Don, who we can call him a prick cuz he did a prick thing and is now coming back and has to act like a bigger prick. So he has to tell Pete that it was in Pete's best interest that he <laughs> and it, <laughs> that and it was. I think I mentioned uh, it last week. It, it kind of did. It did really have him rise to the occasion. Don's talking like it was a plan. <laughs> but but Don, Don, Don talking no. like it was a plan, as opposed to he got in the car with no. some pretty girl. <laughs> like that is that is Don just. Yeah, it's it's deflection at at the highest level. <laughs> it was really it was masterful. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, I thought you were ready. Obviously, I was right. <laughs> you know, it's like you left me there. You did the wrong thing. We're not going <laughs> to not talk about this. 
But of course, Pete Pete is disarmed in all of nine seconds. You know what's funny? I, I haven't. I never thought about this. Pete met those people. That's right. Can you imagine if Don said, "Remember, remember that yeah. whole cluster of weirdos? Remember those freaks I introduced you yeah, to? I, went and I ran <laughs> off with them. Then I passed out. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly died. Yeah. They gave me clothes. I had two and a half days. We had Mexican food. We played all these name games. It was weird. But so you know, weird. Was, dude, yeah, was weird. I can't tell you the rest though. Um, <laughs> Right, exactly. Well, remember, remember the box? The, remember the box? <laughs> right, remember the <laughs> Actually, box. part two was, anyway. <laughs> so, you know, Don Don just doubles down on being an asshole at that point and then, um, and then goes into Roger. And again, anytime somebody walks into Roger's office and says, uh, you know, you wanted to see me or I came to see you, I'm all, I'm there. I'm, I'm right there anytime that happens because yeah. Roger's fun to, to listen to these, these meetings and, um, you know, basically just gives them the info. Here, here's the deal. We sold the firm, half million for you, uh, and they and they drink to it. So, so that's kind of all it was. And it's amazing how it went how, so well. <laughs> it did, and it's amazing how accept. I mean, it's really not in hindsight, but it's it's interesting how accepting Roger is of Don's disappearing. I mean, in a way, in a way, he doesn't care because in the interim, it, it, Roger was able to cash out. So, it, it had it been a bad three weeks, maybe you would have felt felt differently. But it was a good three weeks. I mean, he does say you can't do that, and yet he did. It was absolutely <laughs> totally zero, did. zero also, repercussion. It also keeps Don away from having witnessed <laughs> right. anything yeah. about Roger and Roger's version of the story of, you know, <laughs> I wasn't that into it, but... <laughs> yeah, Cooper and Alice were all over it. I wasn't going to get in the way. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> more more madmen showing people how they talk about things versus how it how it is. <laughs> and so and so yeah, they they shake hands and 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 Don gets back to work. Duck put it together. Ran into them in a bar or something. Duck was in a bar? He doesn't have a wife. Any conflicts? Well, Mona hasn't been pleasant since my engagement. <laughs> we also get to see Betty in a place we haven't really seen her very much, which is the um Ossining beauty parlor <laughs> with all the all the ladies. Francine is there. What a great set. What a great <laughs> scene that was. These are the um the well-to-do white ladies of Ossining hanging out in the beauty parlor where I guess you would spend a half a day, right? With the set and the curlers and the and the dryer and the cut and the whatever and the color. Not necessarily cut. A lot of the women would. Oh, right, three times a week, right? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like I remember my grandmother would go once a week, right? You get your hair yeah. done, you get your hair set, it's washed and set. That's so who, right. who knows? I mean, some of them might have been their cut and their color, but, but I think there's a whole lot of just management. It's, it's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of gabbing going on, and these women are just at each other's throats, and it's a muscle crisis. And what do you tell your kids? And the New York Times said you should tell your kids the truth, and the other one's upset that her daughter's hearing all this, and it's just a lot of great, great color, color and anger and <laughs> people judgment and, uh, and oh, um, a lot of judgment. And I wish I had a seller so I could slam the door in her face. It's a great thing, <laughs> Francine. Uh, Anne Dudek, right? Anne Dudek is the, the actress. Anne Dudek, she is. <laughs> I love her so much. So great. And everything's pink in that shop too. So it's just a great, a great Obviously. Look. But that's where Betty also tells Francine yeah. about the pregnancy. Yeah, watch that scene really closely for some of that little exchange really closely. And uh, January Jones acting is really terrific, this whole episode. But in that particular one, she's really, she, she's not able to be comforted. 
by Francine, who's doing her best to comfort her. Once again, we don't use the word abortion. No. I can't. I can't keep it. Or I can't have or I can't have it. Not I can't keep it. It's not a good time. She says that two or three times too. That um you know gives her the someone in Albany, blah, blah, blah. And that's what well-to-do women would do. You know, they didn't have back alleys, but they did have illicit physicians that would would perform. Or you could fly to Puerto Rico, but now is not a good time for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh very pragmatic, that Francine. So you, you see it's more of that agency of Betty's that she's taking and that her spine is is fully formed. She's not being comforted. She's not reconsidering. She's really figuring out how to get get rid of this pregnancy. I mean, that's really her her focus. And she's also you can also compare it to last season. She's now being a lot straighter with Francine. Francine mm-hmm. obviously oh, knows yeah, by now. Sorry. We never see a scene where she tells her, but obviously Francine knows by now that Don's gone and that this is the situation. And She's kind of being just more who she is in the world with the people she interacts with. However, what I just got, it, I keep saying it. I keep saying she doesn't say the word abortion. And then I go back to Don, who keeps not saying the word affair or Bobby mm-hmm. Barrett, you know. So that's that's an interesting little, these two don't use their words, <laughs> you know. But I mean, I, I, to, Betty's being very clear. There is that there is that little parallel that she's she's not actually saying the word. Uh, it's probably really like oof, like a too disgusting of a of a you know she's going to say the idea, but she can't go all the way there. It was probably too graphic a word that That's was used in polite kind of conversation then, and now we would say it. It's still controversial on TV. Like there, it's always notable when a television show does or doesn't use the word. You know, I remember go back to I think Maud was was the first time that abortion was was said on television, which mm-hmm. was the. All in the family spinoff for the kids <laughs> with a golden girl. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's still it's still notable. Yeah. But in but in conversation with your friends, you wouldn't avoid using the word. You'd say, I gotta get an abortion. Today you wouldn't. That's right. right. And then you would. That's that's and that's what I want to distinguish. And just to wrap up what I just said, this isn't Matt Weiner being coy about not saying it on t- it's this is him making a very deliberate choice that this is this is a word that you don't say in polite society yeah. even when you're talking about doing it. Yeah, it's very contemporary for that time. No question. I'm pregnant. Congratulations. Jessica was an accident. Look how happy I am now. It's not a good time. Is it ever? Look at this world we live in. We see a little bit of Peggy also, both at the church. You see Father Gill giving the sermon during, you know, what was during the crisis. And you see a lot of like, you know, newsreel stuff and and historic stuff where it was like, yeah, people were like getting their shit together because, you know, that was the crisis and the bomb shelters and I guess the whole it's, it's hard to imagine. I mean, we're in a pandemic where everybody's like concerned about leaving the house, so maybe that's some mild type of a parallel. Yeah, I think hard to. I think hard. To, we've crossed over on hard to imagine, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but it was it was that moment, and I don't know. Was it a weekend or a something? I don't know. I don't, I don't even really know how many days people were actively. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when it gets resolved. Yeah, it wasn't that whole thing. But you could tell when Don went in the office and he was talking to Joan, and he goes home early. That was like one, that was like the one day after the speech, right? After the Kennedy speech. So yeah, I think so. I'm so 
not the one. Great on movie, this. 13 Days with Kevin Costner, if you want to watch. It's actually really, really good. Yeah, but I, I never got a sense. That's from the inside. That's like in the White House, West Wing kind of stuff. It's, um, it, uh, it, it, Again, it probably alludes to how long the public was aware, but it was just a different different perspective. But yeah, I'm assuming it was a couple of days. It's not like a week-long thing where everybody was went home every day, waking up every day, are we going to get nuked? So with that, you see what it's like in Brooklyn for, for Peggy and her family. Peggy and Father Gil, first they have that, that, church, that conversation. Was that in the church, I guess, when they were getting provisions or whatever? Yeah. And uh, Father Gil's laying it all. He's, this is his... Final chance, you know. It's interesting. The first thing he says to her is, Peggy, sometimes I feel he called he, <laughs> be the big the big he. The big he. Peggy, sometimes I feel he called me to this parish parish to reach you. And I felt that very sincerely. I had a lot of emotions in this episode that I wasn't expecting. I think he's I think this is I think this is an episode where people look at Peggy and kind of go, wow, you're the greatest, and I've always thought so. And <laughs> and that's I mean, I think Father Gill really means that. Now he then went and got more ammunition on her and then learned this. And so let's take him at face value just on that. He met her that time outside. He he was really moved by her. He, this is a straight man. Uh, just trust me. <laughs> right. So this is a straight man who has put those feelings aside, but he he I think he is drawn to Peggy sincerely from the moment he meets her and then suddenly he finds out that the people whose house he's invited to is Peggy's house and you know and then she's a writer and she can help him and then he finds out this thing about her. So I think every time like I think when Anita made that confession to her to him he was like, "Oh, see, I was this is why I'm here." He's mm-hmm of his mind this is all you know i'm not everything after that but everything after that as we've discussed is inappropriate manipulative and then the rest of this whole interaction where he he's fire and brimstone basically you can see the sincerity there but i'm not interested in that but i am i was really moved by god when i met you you really i i just felt a connection i felt like i was here mm. you know we were meant to meet and i i think he means that I, I do too, but I also see them as not being mutually mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. You can genuinely care about a particular parishioner or feel that you've been called, you know, in some sort of fateful instance to connect with a particular member of your parish. That said, I, I think the whole dynamic is set up by a crooked and corrupt infrastructure (laughs) that encourages you to think that you're called anywhere (laughs) for anything. (laughs) Right. So, and, and that it's your job to save that person's soul. You know, it's, it's this, it's a grandiose premise on its face. So fair. Yes. I think he's sincere. So I think he's sincerely a dick. he, He, no, he's sincerely running the bullshit line that he's been trained to, to run. And he's doing it well, and he's doing it with sincerity, and he's doing it because he believes it. Doesn't mean it's any less bullshit, but he's he's been trained to do it, and he does it. So so there you go. He's sincere, and he's part of this system that is deeply unfair to to the people it's supposedly trying to help. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm a little less cynical about that I'm, that I'm, one I'm, moment. I'm putting it in I'm putting it in yeah. stark terms for the sake of my point. I don't. I'm yeah. not as I'm not as down on everything as I sound. But but no, I th- I think that those two things are not opposed to be to be both 
in a way cynical right. and sincere at the same time. Right. No, no, no. I, and I, I think so too. I think so too. That I, I think we're saying the same thing from a different, just coming at it from no, a we different are. direction. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. just pointing out that they're actually, they're linked. We've all done it. We've all met somebody and we're like, oh, you, I'm supposed to meet you. And then that either works out or it doesn't. Um, but you, you know, we've all met people and had a, had a feeling for him. He, he meets her and he puts it right into the, I'm supposed to save your soul bucket. Yeah. <laughs> and then everything is evidence for that. Right. And, and exactly. he's, he's not holding back anymore. And yeah. she's like not having it. Ah, we're just about to close. Anita wanted to come, but she's with the children. That's where she should be. Father Gill's whole point is, you need to confess, you need to confess, you need to confess. I'm going to talk for a second about what being a Jew is. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. You got to clean up your mess before, so that the book of life is erased. What? How does it go? (laughs) I'm going to talk about being a Jew and then I'm going to blow it. There you go. Basically, once a year, you start anew with the book of life. But before you do that, you've got to clean up your messes. And... It's very, very clear that cleaning it up with God is not sufficient if what you've done is harmed a person. Mm. That's how Judaism Mm. tells us how to do it. I have always loved that. I have always respected that. It makes no sense if I fucked you over that I can pray it away. Mm. (laughs) That's right. And in Judaism, it starts with a personal atonement. Exactly. My point. Taking care of your mess is a personal, singular, one-on, one-on-one, internal process. I didn't keep the Sabbath. That's between you and God. If it's, I stole your car <laughs> when I didn't <laughs> keep the Sabbath, right. you go to the person. That big Jewish car-stealing ring that's <laughs> <laughs> been plaguing society. Point is, right. point is, his whole thing, Father Gill's whole thing in this whole point is to try to get Peggy to confess so that she won't go to hell. Right. And seems noble at the end of the episode. Now, what's ironic is it starts with Pete, but we'll get to that in a second. But at the end of the episode, she confesses to who or whom to whom to Pete. That's who she has to confess to unburden herself to the person that she, well, and you know, again, it's did she wrong him? Yes, in a way. Did he know he was wrong? No, not at all. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Clear what we see in that moment in her on her end of that confession, because there's a lot of confessing happening right there, and we'll we'll get to Pete, is that's the burden she's been bearing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't necessarily have it that way either. It's not it's not an objective truth that she wronged Pete or something, but just right. here's what happened. Pete, just tell the truth. Don't worry about the outcome. People respect that. Yeah. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> well, she walks the walk. We can't say that. About, we can't say Peggy doesn't walk the walk. But we should we should talk about the conversation for a second because that wasn't how the that wasn't the first part of the conversation. The first part of the conversation was Pete confessing his love for Peggy. Right? Trudy doesn't get me. I love you. I've always loved you, or whatever the words were that he. However, he did it. But he was not ambiguous. He was using his words. <laughs> That's right. Now, what do you think of that? What do I think of what? What did you, how did that all, how did that all land for you? Pete confessing his love to Peggy? Pete confessing his love to Peggy. I don't know. I, I I think he, I think he was sincere in the way Pete can be sincere, 
which is maybe different than how the rest of us are sincere. I think it was Pete thinking he's in love with Peggy more than Pete actually being in love with Peggy, but whatever. I, I think it was more of a device to get Peggy to start talking, honestly, if I'm thinking too much like a writer. Like, I think it was it was all about- Yeah, you are, but that's okay. Yeah. But that's fine because I didn't, fine. I didn't I didn't see it as like, oh my God, I knew it. I knew he always loved her and they're supposed to be together. No, I mean, that's just not, that never, that never landed for me. So to me, it was a little bit, a little bit convenient. All right. So I'm going to tell you a few things about how I reacted to the scene and then a little, a little Matthew Weiner thing. Let me start with the Matthew Weiner thing. Matt showed up, as I've, I think I've told the story, at our season two finale party, which was our first party. And what he did was he waited until the episode was over. We're all, it's a big, it's a viewing party in a bar, in a back room in a bar. And at the end of the episode, Matt walks in. And Matt at one point said to me and my sister, something to the effect of, so how do you feel about Pete now? <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't remember how we actually handled it with him. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. clearly he, he wanted us to like Pete more. <laughs> and okay. I was like, Okay. (laughs) I didn't, it left me, it left me really tepid now, but here's the crazy part. When I watched this episode in preparation for this recording, when Pete said to Peggy, I think you're perfect. I got chills and tears (laughs) in my eyes. (laughs) Right. So it's, it's interesting. I, but, but ultimately I'm with you. I think that here's what I really think. Because he said, I should have chosen you or t- something to that effect. I think he's miserable in his marriage because he's a miserable prick. And, yeah. you know, it, you know, Trudy's no picnic, but he, he's not in that marriage the way that a husband should be in a marriage. And it is really frustrating. I get his frustration. Peggy, uh, Trudy, seeing her family as her family of, of origin rather than him, that is upsetting, but also if you were married to Pete, you'd probably feel the same way. Right. So there's all that. So of course, Peggy looks like the choice he should have made. Yeah. He, it's a self-fulfilling type of thing. You know, he, he said something about, you know me, Trudy doesn't know me. But I think I think that is the work-home divide, which people used to have. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like your work people, that's why we now have work husbands and wives, right? Your work people know yeah. a whole other side of you, but that doesn't mean it's a, it's, it's, it's you, you. Know, but your, your, <laughs> your home people know a whole other side of you too. So it, I think it's just Pete being, you know, green grass. Yeah. It's, it's a little boy's version of, of being indecisive and learning how it works and relationships and people and girls. And he's not, he's not fully formed it. That's how I take it. You know, now I thought that line of you're perfect was heartfelt and beautiful in a way because Peggy's someone more from Peggy's point of view. Peggy's someone that deserves to hear things like that, right? Like I said, knowing, you know, empathizing with what we've seen her go through. um, That's nice to hear, but it it didn't need to come from Pete for it (laughs) for it to matter. So so it's not really that it's that thing. But I think it was about getting her to that point where she can deliver her confession. And what she's saying isn't just the mere facts. Obviously, the bombshell is I had your baby and I let it go. But the idea that, Pete, we were a hair's breadth from actually being together. Like she said, I could have guilted you into it. I thought that was fascinating because that's a whole thing I hadn't thought about. And Of course, she could have. And it was my decision. This whole thing, this whole thing, 
you thinking of picking me and who you're with and all of this, it was actually my decision. I chose. I didn't I didn't just chose choose not to have a baby. I chose not to be with you. I chose the life I'm having now. And it's cost me a lot, but I'm okay with my decisions. And I got to do that. And it's on my terms. And so powerful. Really. And that's what hit me this time that was not, that I did not pick up on earlier. It wasn't just delivering the news. It was delivering, it was, it was a declaration of independence on her part, Mm. you know, and that's, that's extremely powerful. And when you look at that in light of what we know Peggy's been through, it, that's where season two comes together for me is, is, is her evolution, right? From calling Don by his first name to how she dresses to how she deals with Pete to getting shit on and all the rest. We've seen her up and down. And she comes through it in this way that I think is so graceful and so intelligent and thoughtful and wonderful. So that that to me was the wrap up of season two as much as anything. Yeah, I do think there's something really surprisingly potent about it being Pete who says, I think you're perfect because he mm-hmm. has, he's just shit on her so much professionally. Sure. So it lends some credibility to these conversations in these last several episodes about getting her that, you know, from, from, Congratulations, Pete. Congratulations, Peggy. Right. Congratulations, Peggy. Congratulations, Pete. Into the, the, that she has her own office. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, again, it lends credibility. It lends sincerity to that. He really is sort of. He's like, oh, she's she's really freaking amazing, and and that's that's just gonna make that's gonna make their work life a little easier. I think knowing yeah. knowing that that's that that's real. Like she doesn't need to know that he's in love with her, but and you know. <laughs> And he'll get over it. I, I do want to say about another little behind the scenes thing, that incredible sort of uh, mini monologue within that that exchange between them. I'm, I'm going to read it. Well, one day you're there and then all of a sudden there's less of you and you wonder where that part went. If it's living somewhere outside of you and you keep thinking maybe you'll get it back and then you realize it's just gone. Matthew Weiner's wife, Linda, I think it was like, woke up one morning and said it, or it was said in bed, like it was her little, that was, she wrote that. And they had to find a place for it. <laughs> like it was, yeah, right, right. it was just yeah. this sort of independently generated. Yeah. It was just out there. Monologue. Yeah. And, yeah, and just so beautiful. Fit perfectly. I also though, I thought this was really interesting that I had never picked up. <laughs> and it is a, it is wild to watch Pete receive this news and it, Talk about harshing someone's happy. I mean, <laughs> but he says, I have to find it. So it's, I had your baby and I gave it away. Are you serious? She nods. You can't be serious. I wanted other things. I don't understand. That is what Peggy said to the doctor. <laughs> I don't understand. Like his, right. I thought that was fascinating. Right. I'm blocking this whole thing out. But I, I actually took it from a different angle, which was, of course, he doesn't understand her wanting other things. <laughs> That's the thing he doesn't understand is the fact that she wouldn't want to have his baby, or wouldn't want to have Pete Campbell's baby. But but even more more broadly, again, back to uh, you know, if you play your cards right, you'll be in a house in the country with you know with your dream boat with your dream boat, like Joan says. What other things would you want? 
other than a family with someone who loves you? Well, there's other things, whatever that is. Career, for instance. And I think I said it last week. He doesn't see Peggy. So he can come and he can say, you're perfect and I love you. And I do think there is something about Peggy that he's finally seeing. Yeah. But who he loves is still his version of Peggy. Yeah. And I don't like you like this. And right. All of that. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't buy that, that, that at this point, Pete is some super evolved. Nope. Uh, Ubermensch. It's just there's nothing like that. It's really <laughs> just it's just still it's still just little boy Pete. Who's who is needy and and whatever, Pete Campbell Ubermensch, <laughs> but but great but great scene and wonderful writing and to me it was the the soul of the soul of the the story of season two is here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about that letter and the fate of Don and Betty's marriage. So Don's living at, I don't know what hotel, do we know? He's at the Roosevelt, I think he always says. Is he still at the, at the Roosevelt? Roosevelt? Yeah. Can we order room service? We can order rooms. It's great. I love the little, all the little things about the milkshake. It's going to take 40 minutes and watching the TV. It's it's a very, um, I don't know, I wasn't alive in those days, but I do think that's Don being easy with his kids is John Hamm's some of, you can tell he's having the most fun, I think, when he's when he's with the, those two actors. But um, they're watching TV, and he writes the letter to, to to Betty. And I think that's the – I don't really tie it to what Roger said is the grand gesture. It is a grand gesture, but I'm not sure that it's meant to be such a thing. I, I mean, I see it as the grand gesture, and I don't know if he was like, ooh, Roger said grand gesture. He knew something bigger had to happen. He knew he had – you know, writing a letter is – It serves that purpose, I think. And – um and it's funny what we say about him not exactly saying the thing, you know, was he saying it enough for Betty to understand it or for Betty to accept it as opposed to saying perhaps what needed to be said? I think the letter's the same way. I think he's flattering to her in the letter, even as he's regretful and you know saying more of the right things in Don's way. You know, you'll move on, you'll... You'll be happy. I will never have another like you, you know, kind of thing. I th- to me, I think that that's Betty. That was a powerful line. It is powerful. I think it's more powerful when you know you're talking to Betty. <laughs> but also, he's, you're talking to Don. I mean, Jesus. I'm not like saying it, he's. Pl- I'm not saying he's playing her in, in, in an attempt to be like super manipulative. I think, I think he's he's trying to write the most effective letter on hotel stationery that he can. Don is good so at effective copy. <laughs> he's I mean, an effective copy. He has a right? knack for knowing that's his audience right. and you know saying the thing that's going to move them to purchase. <laughs> that's that's it though, but that's all part of it. And and he does that. And the, and I think the letter. I think Betty is sincerely moved by that. But I I, th- I think he writes that letter for the specific purpose of reaching her, and it works. I think when she reads it, when she gets when Carla gives it to her and she reads it. She is sufficiently moved. And I think that's what leads to her calling him to come home, confessing the pregnancy and and the reconciliation such as it is. Well, a lot of things get her there. So, and we can't take any of them in isolation. Let's back up. Gimlet? Betty seems to have a type. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, did did we call him Captain Fantastic on the blog? I think that was what we uh, I don't all remember. the fans named him. 
Ooh, he was lovely. Is he um, a hunky hunk? So, you know, the first thing that, that just the first sort of clue <laughs> uh, you know, Betty says, no, I have plans. And that was obviously a way just to not yeah. do the family thing. But Sally says, mommy never eats. And I, I don't believe I we've ever seen Betty take a bite of food in this, in this entire series. I, I can't verify that. Coiners, fact check us. Um, so, we, so we know she, there's no food in her as she goes and, and has this, this gimlet. And you see that in her. You see that looseness when she finally, when she... You see her slight wobble. You, but you also like the. This is where the acting I thought was stupendous. Like mm-hmm. that specific liquor infused, seducing, seducible ease that she had with him. I mean, it's just really <laughs> specific. I think it's, the word is languid. Languid <laughs> is good. Languid, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. You know. God, I wish I could go to a bar. <laughs> it's really been a long pandemic, Dan. <laughs> But she's, I don't know, she's like open for business the way Betty Draper is open for business, right? Yeah. Like, oh, she was so cold, right? <laughs> very cold, wants to play hard to get, wants him to cat and mouse with her. And and it just has to be a certain way. Even being tawdry for Betty is like this, is a thing. <laughs> and, she's, and here's where she's tawdry. Here's what I would like to say about Betty and Captain Fantastic. It sort of looks like it's come out of nowhere, but it has not come out of nowhere. (laughs) You've been watching her, and we've talked about this throughout. We've been watching the, it's, I keep saying sexual awakening. It's not exactly that. It's, it's more what you're talking about with stealing yourself, with getting some steel. It's, it's, it's a sexual ownership. She's, she's getting more comfortable owning who she is. I mean, even, even the line, you can turn it, you can turn it on and off like a yeah. light switch, right? Yeah. Like that she says that out loud now. Yeah. She knows the role she has in her sexuality. Um, we watched her with that mechanic in the first episode <laughs> of the season. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is the end. This is the, this right. is the bookend this to the, that. This is the closed loop, right? Yeah. So there's that. So, did she go to that bar deliberately knowing? Hmm, probably not. Did she go to that bar wondering? Open to the concept? Yes. Open to the concept? Yeah. Yeah. Did she think she was going to fuck some guy in the back room of a bar? Probably not. But no. she was willing to be taken somewhere for sure and 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 she and that and and you're right. She did it exactly the Betty Draper way, which was not That's giving right. an inch. That That's guy right. still does not know her name. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> he does not know her first name. So, but it was, it was, you know, and, and the other thing is she has nothing to lose. She's pregnant. The world might be ending. That's she's right. already pregnant. So she has nothing to lose. Nothing. Big time. It's, it's very rare in a, in mm-hmm. a, in a married woman's life who's not on birth control that, <laughs> you know, that, that, that it's only when she's pregnant that she can guarantee she's not going to get pregnant. Right. So. So, yeah. So Betty does what she has to do. Um, unburdens herself in a different way. I love what go coming home and getting that eating that chicken chicken leg or whatever it was. It was a chicken leg. It was it was. It's again. We've never seen her eat. We've we've reminded us through Sally's words that we've right. rarely. Yeah. Mommy's if, eating again. Well, mommy was horny and she needed to get laid, so she had to. 
who among us has not has not just done that? Just come home, you know, drunk and just like open the fridge, left it open, grabbed whatever's in there, cold cold meatball, whatever the fuck is in there, yeah. and just chomped. I I kind of tie it back to Don with the milk in um can't remember the episode name right now, uh, where he just drinks that milk before he goes to see Bobby Barrett. Mm, good right one. after the country club when he leaves the country club. But yeah, these two seem to tie their appetites to. <laughs> to extramarital affairs. Um, but, you know, we, we, you can't discuss this episode without talking about Betty uh, going into the, is that the, the ladies' restroom, the men's restroom? I don't even know what kind of room that was. That was some, that was some bathroom. I, no, no, it wasn't a bathroom. I think it was an office. I think it was some oh, kind of supply okay. room or office. That's why the guy that worked and that that's why you could lock it. It wasn't, she was going to the ladies' room and right. then he pulled her into... Or she did she open the door? They but they go into like some open that room would have been locked today. Gotcha. Right, but All it right. was like it was like an office. That's why it had a uh, couch. Gotta be resourceful. You gotta be resourceful. So she does that. Don's got the kids. Writes the letter. Carla then delivers the letter to to Betty, and and it, it hits the mark. I mean that that's really the 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 sum total is. The next we hear f- from Betty after that is when Joan says your wife called you know to come home. And that's when I guess everyone's you know starting to freak out in in the city and stuff like that. And again, you can't take any of this in isolation. Would the letter have worked without the Cuban Missile Crisis? Would the letter have worked had she not been pregnant? We don't know. I think that keeps being a theme. It keeps every time I bring something up, you've said back, "Well, it's kind of both, right?" So yeah, that's yeah, how you yeah. said that a few times in this in this episode. And and so it ends with their reconciliation, right? Right there, kind of. Let's say wordless, but almost wordless. And sad because to to what I just brought up, it takes the wind out of it. Don doesn't get to win her back. She doesn't get to choose powerfully. It's mm. it it the pregnancy is the reason they get back together. It's it's the a big reason. anticlimax. Yeah, yeah, and it's nobody wins. But you've seen, but you've seen Betty all season go through this journey. Kind of like what we say with Peggy, but we've seen Betty all through this season go through this journey of probably knowing that Don cheated from before, right? We started with that that coming in the middle of whatever resulted from that and the and the therapist and all the rest and stealing herself and like slowly building steam, building momentum throughout. Is she going to leave him? Is she going to confront him? Is she going to wake up? And she does all those things and she again, comes right to the brink. And in a way, you know, looking at the season again, so far removed from the first airing, you're rooting for Betty in a way that, at least I'm rooting for Betty in a way that I wasn't originally. And you want to see her whatever, scratch, you know, rip that Band-Aid off or, or do that, pull the trigger on something that's going to make a real difference and maybe these things did make a real difference. I think we'll we'll explore that. We're not done exploring these things for her, but you know, you, it's a big like I said, it's a big anticlimax. You don't want to see everything kind of go back to normal after all that amping up and revving up and and momentum. You feel like it's kind of been wasted. That's what the end of the of the episode is, and the end of the season is is this kind of wasted momentum for her mm. that you wish had resulted in some sort of positive outcome. But maybe it's not wasted. Who knows? When we start, we've talked about this throughout the season. When we started season two, we didn't know how Betty and Don got from season one to season two. We now know 
ostensibly kind of how ostensibly how do I say that word ostensibly what's the word there's no v in it ostensibly 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 Jesus fuck well well done (laughs) 85th time's a charm there you go um how we get to this next point in the marriage I'm you know we don't know where season three starts but Mm-hmm. You know, we we know how we get here. How we get here is all this stuff went down. We know what's been said and what's not been said. We know we know that Betty went out and fucked somebody else, and that's her. You know, that's hers to keep. Which is a, a kind of another fake out again. You know, you think she's been gearing up, gearing up, gearing up. Finally, has sex with a stranger. You think that's the thing that's going to snap her her ties to her marriage and it's actually not well sort of i mean i think it gives her i think it's one more contributing factor i think i think she would have more regret coming back to the marriage had she not done it i think she got right she she got that she got to do that and and there's that little bit of you know yeah scratch that itch and and also that little bit of scorekeeping not that that was the biggest part of it but you know when you know somebody else is in there you know it's in there it's um i also had um just thinking about Don, we've explored the hobo, and I mean, he really, he really hoboed out <laughs> at the end of this mm. season, and then came home. Well, let's just assume what he wrote is sincere. I think mm. Don genuinely believes, despite the fact that he was in love with Rachel Menken, and he was in love with Rachel Menken. Mm-hmm. But I think in this moment, he believes. I mean, Betty is what keeps him grounded. Mm-hmm. And without her, he's nothing and he'll never find another woman, which is insane. But he, I think he absolutely believes that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's Betty that brought him home from his his wanderings. I see it more as, I, I mean, so I think that's what Don believes. I think what I believe is the guilt and shame within Don Draper is so deep that he needs to repair the damage that he's done. Um, he keeps, you know, Adam killed himself. Now he's caused Betty all this pain. He's created a family and now he's abandoning that family. Um, I mean, all these things he needs to fix, to, to feel that he can fix, to feel that he can have some control and put back together what, what he broke so that he can feel less broken loves Betty, doesn't love Betty is almost irrelevant to he 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 can't live with or he thinks he can't live with this sort of hole he blew up in the in the earth. <laughs> right. And he's he needs to put it back together. He's lost as as in terms of how to do that. But for now, he has his marriage. He's at the kitchen table. Those two lovebirds are back together. Those two crazy Don and kids. Betty. Oh my god! <laughs> the new little one coming. New little one on the way. <sighs> what, what, what could possibly go wrong? So, <laughs> yeah. So that's how we end it. It's uh, again big anticlimax. Um, for me again, again a little too on the nose with the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's just my take. A little too on the nose. I see what you're saying. I 
I don't have a problem with that so much. I do now, as we've talked through it, I see what you were saying about this episode. If you, you know, where we started the episode, like I said, we started with the big sweeping energy. There was real energy in those first few scenes. After, after, after the doctor's appointment, Don Mm -hmm. comes back, Don comes to the office. All these things are happening. There's, it's moving, it's shaking. It feels like a finale. And then by the, by the end, it sort of, it, it, it flips on the other way. And by the end, you've got this quiet, miserable reconciliation. You've got Pete alone in the office with a rifle. With a rifle, yeah. <laughs> you know. They'll be looting on the uh, 14th floor. Yeah, so it, it does It does sort of go back, it, the reverse order energetically, and I think maybe that's part of what you're, you're talking about. You know, they stopped a ship this morning. I bet the Russians are reconsidering now that we made a stand. So the 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 other sort of climax of the of the season is this merger of Putnam Hall and Lowe with Shirley Cooper. So we've seen the vote, we've gone through the discussion. Now it's <laughs> what does he say? We've gone through the dowry, boys. Now we want to spend the night with the bride. <laughs> Who's that actor, by the way? I love him. I don't know what else he's been in, but he's been in a few different things. Uh, Sinjin, Sinjin Powell, right? Charles Shaughnessy from The Nanny. Even if you've never seen The Nanny, that's where we know him from. Well, that voice is what I what I recall. I honestly didn't recognize his face. But anyway, it's a great character and it's a great personality on the on the show. We're there and he's, you know, opening up the meeting and um, it's all set up because now Don knows. It's interesting. Uh, Pete gives Don the information, but it's not like there's any real dope that Don has on what's going to happen. Everything that happens in the meeting, i.e. Duck's meltdown, happens in front of everybody's faces with everybody at the table. It's not like Don comes in with some secret plan to undermine the meeting or to get one over on Duck. He was informed before Roger told him because Pete told him and then he knew Pete, he knew that Duck was going to be president, right? But that doesn't play into what happens in the meeting. He just wasn't thrown off. Now Don doesn't tend to get too thrown off anyway, right. but he was extra he was just extra prepared. He he already knew his answer. Yeah, even if Pete hadn't done that and he and he was given the the facts by Roger then he would have been as prepared for the meeting as he needed to be because he was kind of just there along for the ride, frankly. But what happens, of course, is <laughs> and again, it's a little it's a little on the nose, but it's so much fun to watch. It's a great, it's a great meltdown scene for for Doc, where he describes this agency that he sees. He pretends to be surprised, by the way, that he's named president. But he he gives this little speech about <laughs> gives this little speech about the 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 importance of media buying and how that's going to bring the uh, the bring bring the company forward as opposed to creative cuz and it's true back then, right it, it it is an interesting thing from looking back then from the way it is now we see creative as the special sauce for the advertising agencies and still have and i think they're still um they're paid for that differently now but back then they threw in creative Creative was the gimme if you give us all your money to buy the media at which we keep 15%. And it was a pretty straightforward business. But I think that's really changed over the years. More so the the value of creative than, you know, how how media's changed. So media buying's changed. So at that time, Duck wasn't wrong for saying, you know, we we need to just buy more media and be a bigger player and that's gonna make us richer. He was right, and that is how it works. But 
<laughs> a, it was a certain, a certain lack of foresight on Duck's part in terms of the importance of creative. He thought things would always stay that way. And it was disrespectful to Don, who he's got a personal beef with. And because he's drinking now, he's not perhaps thinking quite as clearly as he would have. And in terms of on the nose, he had said earlier, that's why God put non-compete clauses in contracts. So the (laughs) rest of us are going, ding! (laughs) We all stuck a pin in that. (laughs) Yeah, right. We know that's his, the ace up, he thinks that's the ace up his sleeve with Don that will will tie him to uh, the ace. And let's face it, you know, if you're PPL, part of what you're buying is Don, even if that's not the 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 revenue driver uh in, in in the way that it might be um you see don as a prize as a prize catch for for the work that they do but duck doesn't know that don can walk away and that's <laughs> that's big and the other thing doc duck clearly doesn't know is that he's just as dispensable you know in terms of redundancies <laughs> redundancies <right. laughs> But if he's named president, he has a certain amount of security. I suppose. right. But if he's not, <laughs> oh yeah, no that he. But he but he flames out fast and hard uh, under the spotlight. And of course, the first question is: Does this have any, <laughs> Roger? Does this undo the deal? Right. <laughs> like, oh, right. No, the duck couldn't hold his liquor, and it was a nice little capper to that. But um, you know, Don's got it's it, it's it's the payoff to why Don hasn't doesn't have a contract to begin with. Right. When he's when he's arguing with Betty about it, you know, um, he knows that gives him extra power, which you'd think it's the opposite. Right. You think the power isn't saying, no, I've got my three year deal. I'm secure. They can't fire me. I've got power. They can't. fire. Well, it works the other way, too. But this is a pretty rare <laughs> and exceptional instance where he the power swings back to him. It doesn't come from like a smart, strategic place in no, Don. It comes no. from his insecurity, his insecurity, his right. shame, his hobo, his, his, I, I need Don't to be able to down. cut and run. Right. It comes from all that. It's amazing. He married Betty <laughs> actually. Right. That <laughs> when he, you look at it. Right. Yeah. But what Don says when he's giving his, his big speech about not needing to, to be part of the firm, you know, I don't have a contract. What's so interesting is he's not, he's not saying fuck you all. Goodbye. No, he's he leaves the door open, which is is smart and strategic, right? He's he's doing it enough to stick it to Duck in front of the owners of the company, past and present, uh, so that Duck flames out nice and nice and easy. But but he's not saying you know I'm out of here or you know screw you guys. He's saying the world's the world's still here. We can talk, which is that is truly smart to say because he can't. It's not like he's got someplace else to go right now. But and that's part of I think what he got. That's kind. That's part of what the heads up bought him. Oh, maybe was yeah. that he was calm enough, completely grounded enough to actually have a strategy and to not just be like "fuck y'all." Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. It, listen, with these guys, "fuck y'all" could have been like they could have con- they would have called him up and been like, "No, we just got rid of dog." Whatever. The "fuck y'all" fuck y'all might not have had the the legs, but either way, he didn't do it because he he thought it through. This is the episode of Don thinking things through for a minute. <laughs> right. As opposed to season one, for sure. So anyway, good wrap up. Good wrap up to the season. Good way to to end things. Um, and I, I, again, not one of my favorite finales. Not not that it's not a great episode. It's just not one of the best finales of of, of the seven seasons eh. for me. Okay. And uh, But I think it sets us up great for season three. Season three. Can we do quotes? Dan, can we do quotes? Can we do quotes this time? 
You never let us do quotes. I love when Betty is uh, taking Hunky Hunk into the Captain Fantastic accountant's office or whatever she's doing back there. Oh, it probably is the accountant's office. There you That's go. exactly probably what it is. Interrupting payroll as she <laughs> needs to get it on. And um, <laughs> what she says as she yanks him in there, what does she say? I'm married. Whatever you think you're about to do, you're doing something wrong, and so am I. I mean, that is so bad. Like we said, Betty has to play hard to get. She has to be cold shoulder. She has to be cat and mouse, and she has to. You're taking advantage of a married woman. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. You ready? Help help me off with this. I mean, that's that to me is that is pure Betty distilled one gimlet in. Well, she weighs about a hundred pound. <laughs> I mean, and she hasn't eaten. But still, she's 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 a, there. There is a <laughs> the judgment never ends. The judgment never sleeps on Betty. That's my point. No, exactly. That's exactly right. Roberta. Again, when Don has come back into the office and and he's this sort of there's just this lovely energy. There's this like fun, upbeat energy that is so rare on this show. It <laughs> just it's so fulfilling. <laughs> And so you've got the interaction with with Peggy. You know, he spots her office. Do I work for you now? And, <laughs> and she tells him she landed the Popsicle account. And then he, he turns to Joan. So other than her office and haircut, is there anything new I need to know about? <laughs> and it was just so everybody's reaction to her haircut has been Something about them has been has been a has been a, a something to point to their character, right? Yeah. And it was a lovely way to 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 notice her haircut, a lovely acknowledgement of her. Like I said, there's a lot of like there's a lot of acknowledgement for Peggy in this episode. That's for, right. For an episode that's really not about Peggy, and it just was such a nice, you know, it it's Draper at his best. It, it is, and and um. If you look at her, the way she smiles and kind of laughs and puts her head down when he says that, it's just another, another you know, clip of of their connection. Yeah. That of course he's the one to notice, uh, where no one else did, and um, but her smile is sort of like oh, I knew Don would notice. If anybody, Don, Don's going to be the one to say say get it in there the right way, which was part of the, what you're saying, which is very sweet. She really does look like a different person from when this show oh, started. Oh, total transformation. Yeah. Total. Yeah. You know, the haircut first looked a little awkward and now it looks correct. And now Perfect. it looks right. And she just, the, the the evolution of her costuming and her ownership and her standing mm. at that friggin' office door. Like it's, That's right. it's really wonderful. All right. My God, we just wrapped up season two. Season two. Oh, we should Here talk we- about the schedule. Um, guys, we're going to take a couple weeks off. There you go. We just talked about the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Did you get all that? Thank you so much for for sticking with us. We really appreciate your support and your listening. And your comments, Twitter comments, uh, IG. emails to questions. It's all great. Love interacting with you and talking about the show. So keep it coming and uh, put a put a review on iTunes if you can. We've got a few up there. Keep listening. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. 
Hey, Coiners, we're so glad you're enjoying the show. Please give us rave reviews on Apple Podcasts and share us on social media. If you'd like to support us, we are at patreon.com slash theycoinditpod. Our members get extras and outtakes. We love hearing from you. And yet, we've been giving you the wrong email address. Reach us at questions at theycoinditpod.com. Hang with us on Twitter and Instagram, TCI Mad Men Pod. We've got so much more Mad Men to get to and more special guests. We're looking forward to all of it with you. See you next episode.